I want to direct your attention to the book of Job, chapter number 38. This morning, we're going to break a little ground. We're just going to call Sunday morning part one and Sunday night part two today. I want to direct you to Job, chapter number 38. I'll read the first four verses of Scripture. give honor to Pastor Jack and his family. Thank you for the invitation to be here. And as I've said in times past, CCC is a special place to us, and I count it a high honor to stand in this pulpit today. I give honor to the pastoral staff and Bishop Woodward and his absence today. These are people who for many years have had a profound impact on my life, and for that I'm very, very grateful. Job chapter 38, verse number 1. The Bible says, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. I want to preach from this text on this title this morning, Questions in the Chaos. Amen. Would you lift your hands one more time, and would you pray that the Holy Ghost would speak and that the power of His Spirit would minister in this service now. Lord Jesus, we submit our minds and our hearts to You. I bind every attack of the enemy. I bind the influence of every spirit that is not of God. Every demonic spirit, I take authority over it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every human spirit that is contrary to the work of God in this moment, I bind its influence right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I loose the Holy Ghost to speak to us now. I loose the Spirit of God to work miracles in this house now. I pray the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation in this house now. We pray this in the name that is above every name, in the name that has all power in heaven heaven and in earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. The Lord bless you as you're seated today. I don't need to give you a lot of news articles this morning to tell you of this certain reality. Our world is in chaos. If I'm thinking back over my 33 and a half years of life, probably the most notable thing that I can first remember is 9-11. I remember the school day came to a halt and assemblies were called and TVs were rolled into classrooms as we were made aware of a terrorist attack on the Twin Towers in New York City. Chaos ensued. From that, even prior to that, but certainly in our generation, from that, the Middle East has seen great war. We've seen the, the turmoil of this COVID pandemic in the past two years. In the midst of it, all kinds of issues in the midst of tension and fear and anger have surfaced. Not quite so much here in Canada, perhaps, but certainly to our neighbors in the South. We've seen entire cities, city blocks, communities ravaged by chaos, 
from riots that have grown out of ethnic and cultural and racial division. Our world is in chaos. The sad reality is, is that media of all sorts makes money on these things. There's not really, well, there is, but they're rare, independent reporters. Most of them have bias agendas to pad the pockets of corporations. And so the reporting is not so much telling us the facts as fueling the fire. And our world is in chaos. Inflation is skyrocketing, all-time highs. The average house price in Canada is nearing $800,000. Simply unrealistic realities. The economy is moving into an unpredictable state. Certain places in our nation are paying over $2 a liter for fuel. Our world is in chaos. Natural disasters touch every corner of the earth. Our world is in chaos. Even here at home in peaceful little Canada. In the past few weeks, we have watched the reality of chaos touch our own nation. When our capital, what started out with somewhat of a peaceful protest, and I've not come to draw political sides today, that's not my point. But we've watched political powers that really are unprecedented in our nation's history used to silence a relatively small issue. For even if political leaders would follow the mandate of Scripture, they would go talk to somebody and then get somebody else to come and help them mediate when the first conversation didn't bring resolution. But no, that didn't happen. Instead, what was enacted were measures that were unchartered in our nation's history. And still, just in the past 48 hours, Protests, though much smaller, continued across the 401 through Ontario and outside Parliament in Ottawa. I tell you today, our world is in chaos. And certainly you're well aware of what is happening in Eastern Europe today in the nation of Ukraine. Admittedly, it feels a little bit different because I've been there multiple times as recent as November. Streets that I was walking on just a few months ago are now devastated by Russian missiles. It's kind of a startling reality and it causes you to have a little bit of a perspective change. I'm telling you today, our world is in chaos. In some ways, it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus told us in Matthew 24 all these things would be. He said there would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be all kinds of natural disasters and divisions based on skin color or ethnicity, social class and language. But still, in spite of the, the certain words of Scripture, here we are in the midst of this chaotic reality, and you see chaos has a way of making you ask questions. Our world is in chaos. But then the reality is, is that chaos doesn't just touch nations. It doesn't just touch cities. Chaos even touches families and individual lives. I would dare say there's some people in this room this morning who your family has been ravaged by division when your kids decided to stop serving God. I would venture a guess there's somebody here under the sound of my voice that has sat across the table from a doctor sometime recent and the report wasn't as 
as positive as you had hoped. And you were forced to confront this startling reality that chaos doesn't just touch nations and it doesn't just touch cities, but chaos touches families and it touches individual lives. I've come today to tell you our world is in chaos. And though we are surprised, we should not be surprised. But there is this often uh, statement and or powerful statement in Matthew 24 that we often overlook. Prior to Jesus telling us about all these chaotic realities, he says, I want to make sure that you don't get deceived. It was as if he knew that there's something that happens in chaos that makes us more vulnerable to deception. And so I've come today to preach to you about questions in the chaos because I hear it on the media. I see it on social media. I hear it in conversations with friends and family. It's question after question. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen with Ukraine? What's going to happen with Canada? What's going to happen with China and Israel and Iran? And everybody's got a question. Uncertainty about the politics and the economy. Uncertainty about our families in our health and all of a sudden we find ourselves asking all sorts of questions in the chaos I'll tell you what it is it's the shaking of Hebrews 12 when God said I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that which cannot be shaken will remain that's what's happening in our world right now God is shaking the foundation of nations if you just take your eyes off the political realm and take your eyes off the weather forecast and take your eyes off the economy and you would peer into the spirit I'll tell you what you'd see you'd see the hand of God shaking the foundation of nations you know why because there's one thing on earth that cannot be shaken it's called the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and when the economy is collapsing and when war is breaking out and when rumors are swirling and when questions are overwhelming there is a reality that cannot be altered questions in the chaos and this is the reality of Job chapter 38 this morning. Job was a man familiar with affliction, but his story didn't start that way. He was favored of God, blessed in every measure, his family, his wealth, even his health. Certainly the hand of the Lord had touched this man his life, but, but, but piece by piece and step by step, the enemy gets access by the permission of God. You think, would God do that? Oh, yes, sometimes He will. Because your career, your wealth, your house and your car is not what's most important. And little by little, Job's life seemingly begins to unravel sores on his body. Seven sons and three daughters pass one by one. The wealth that was so uh, quickly accumulated falls through his fingertips and it is no more. And here he is with nobody but his wife. And even she becomes a mouthpiece for the devil and says, Why don't you just curse God and die? Certainly this man is familiar with affliction. Four times at least in my study I can find in the writing of Job that he asks and even demands an answer of God, but it does not come yet. 
And in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the economic turmoil, and the health turmoil, and all of the loss and the pain and the agony, you know what starts happening? Questions. Not just Job, but everybody around him's got a question. Well, Job, what's wrong with you? Doesn't God love you? If God really cared about you, he wouldn't do this, would he? You see, there's something about chaos that gives room for question. It starts in yourself. But the thing about questions is there's a little questioning community. Did you ever notice that? You start pondering things and you just dare one time, just one time, to make that Facebook post. You just engage in that conversation just, just one time. Lost my restraint and stepped in the water. And they feed on you like sharks in bloody water. Because there's something about questioning that draws a community of like-minded people. And now here is Job in the midst of this most difficult season in his life. And he's got questions on the inside and he's facing questions on every side. Job, what's wrong with you? Doesn't God care about you? Can't God help you? Why would God do this? Is God not in control? Is God not powerful enough? Can God not heal you? Can God not deliver you? There's something about chaos that makes makes us question. And one might think, wouldn't God quickly run to answer? Wouldn't he come back in a hurry and let Job know it's all under control? But for 37 chapters, God's silent. He doesn't speak. Silence. All Job wants to know is why. But sometimes... Our answered questions would remove the necessity of trust in our relationship with God. And for 37 chapters, God stays silent. And all Job wants to know is, please tell me why this is happening. Did I do something wrong? Where did I mess up? What was my mistake? Please, God, just explain to me how. Explain to me why. I just want to know why. When, God, will this ever end? Questions in the chaos. You see, it's not just Job. It's you and I. When the reality of chaos starts touching these important areas of our life and we are staring down the uncertain realities of an economy and we are staring down the uncertain futures of careers and things that seem so sure and so certain, all of a sudden we are pressed by these difficult realities on every side and gas is so expensive and interest rates are going up and all of the uncertainty and people are getting sick and people are dying and there's trouble and, and nations are at war and there's division in our culture and everywhere we turn the chaos causes question. God if you're really in control, why are the people in Ukraine suffering? God, if you really care about us, why are we still dealing with these kinds of restrictions two years later? Question after question. But I caution you today to look into Job chapter 38. And here is what you'll discover. We are not the only ones asking questions in the storm. 
for 37 chapters. God is silent. But then the Bible said the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Literally the storm. What? This doesn't make sense. Wouldn't God transport me to a more peaceful environment? A more pleasant spiritual experience? But no. Quite the contrary. God said Job I'm trying to teach you something. That when I want to talk to you I can talk to you in the middle of the whirlwind. Hear me today the storm doesn't silence the voice of God and if you turn your ear to the spirit on this Sunday here's what you'd find out God is still speaking out of the whirlwind I know the economy's uncertain I know there's wars and rumors of war but you know what out of the whirlwind comes the voice of God and you know what he says he says Job you're not the only one with questions I I've got some questions for you. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? He's asking Job, who is this that comes into the courtroom of Almighty God and limits my counsel as one without knowledge? Job, I've got some questions for you. I don't know who you think you are that you know the answers. I don't know who you think you are that you can make sense of what I'm doing in the world. But Job, you're not the only one asking questions. I I've got questions for you. Between Job 38 and 42, God asks Job 70 questions. You see, we're not the only ones asking questions in the chaos. He tells Job in verse 3 of 38, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Job, I'm going to demand an answer of you. You've had a lot to say. You've had a lot of questions you've asked. But now I've got to ask you some things. And I'm paraphrasing because time would not permit us to go through all 70 questions. But Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Job, was it you that actually determined the depth and the breadth of the foundation? Did you, Job, stretch the measuring tape across the heavens? Did you, Job, measure the foundation of the earth? Job, do you know who it was that laid the cornerstone Job, who determined the depths of the oceans and how much water it would hold. Job, did you set the time that the sun would rise and the sun would set? Job, have you ever walked in the depths of the sea? And as Job begins to consider all the grander elements of creation, he realizes just how small he is. Job, have you ever stopped to consider the vastness of the earth? Do you know the path to the homes of light and darkness? Job, do you know? It's a good one for Canada on this Sunday morning. How many snowflakes are scheduled to fall upon the earth? $20 to the first person who can walk out here this morning and count the snowflakes in the parking lot. You'll quickly realize how inadequate your opinion really is. 
Job, how is it that light travels to the ends of the earth? Job, what causes the grass to grow? Job, when the bird wants its prey and the bird wants its food, do you know how it gets it? Can you feed it, Job? No. No, I can't. You see, what God is doing is causing Job to confront the reality of his weakness and the greatness of God. And I've come today with this simple revelation that is so simple, but I believe so powerful that would help us all in the end times that we are so quickly walking into. And it's this, God is in control. God is in control. Because what the question does is it makes you wonder about the sovereignty of God. Well, God, if you were really in control, this wouldn't be happening by my estimation. Well, the prophet Isaiah said, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't comprehend the fullness of God's ways. That's why the first question God had for him was, Job, who do you think you are to walk into my courtroom with accusation and with question about how I'm running my kingdom? Who is a Job that's limiting my counsel? As somebody with words, but no knowledge. One translation says, why are you speaking so much for somebody who has no knowledge? But the thing about chaos is, it makes us question. Above all question, is God really in control? Well, God, if you were really in control... We still wouldn't be dealing with COVID two years later. God, if you were really in control, there'd be no war in Ukraine. God, if you were really in control, that wouldn't have happened to my family. I wouldn't have lost my job. I wouldn't have cancer in my body. I wouldn't be dealing with trouble with my children. God, if you were really in control, my car wouldn't have broken down. The thing about chaos is it makes you question the sovereignty of God. And this is what you've got to understand about God. The Bible and God is not just a culmination of a bunch of separate individual truths. Jesus, before before it was ever a written word, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so truth in its fullness is like a perfectly weaved together piece of tapestry. And when you pull one strand of that and you start pulling it, I'm sure you've done it on a piece of clothing at some point in your life. You thought, I'm just going to grab that thread. And all of a sudden you discover that thread isn't ending. Because that thread on this side was connected to a thread all the way over on this side. And what you don't realize is the longer you sit in question, asking God, are you really in control? You're undoing the perfect tapestry of truth. And let me tell you, there's repercussion to your question. Because when you say, God, are you really in control? You start to believe the lie that he's not. And if God's not in control, what motivation is there to pray? If God's not in control, what reason is there to worship? If God's not in control, what reason do I have to come to the house of the Lord? What value is there in a Sunday worship service or a Friday prayer meeting or a Wednesday Bible study? What motivation do I have to walk into somebody's home and teach them a Bible study or pray them through to the Holy Ghost? What value does any of that have if God... 
God's not in control. It starts questioning the sovereignty of God. But soon you have justified not praying. You have justified skipping church. And all of a sudden it's not just those basic spiritual disciplines. But it's the foundation of our faith. Fundamental doctrine is in question. And we're calling people and telling them they're saved. They've never repented. They've never changed their life. We don't believe the necessity of baptism. And all of a sudden people are receiving the spirit without speaking in tongues. All this stuff contrary to the word of God but you know where it started it started with a subtle question in the midst of chaos when you said God are you really in control I'm telling you if you take your eyes off global news and CTV and you quit giving two cahoots what Justin Trudeau or anybody else thinks and you turn your ear to the spirit I'm telling you God has some questions for you See, there's this thing about God. I don't know what it is, but God loves storms. Don't believe me? Creation happened in a storm. The earth was without form and void. Study the words. It means confusion and chaos. Because anything without God is chaos. See, we've got a little, we've got a little problem in the Western church. Because we are a materialistic culture. I heard a Jewish man say the other day. He said, we, we are misinformed if we think we can stop Russia. In the context of the conflict. We can stop Russia with financial sanctions. He said, it is fundamentally a different culture. The idea that materialism and disruption to materialism can stop those people is a fundamentally flawed idea. Because the West is materialistic. The East is not. And I've lived close enough to there, I can tell you, there's a lot of truth to that. And so what happens is we begin to judge God based upon our Western idea. Perceiving that in our abundance of stuff, God must be present. And then on the contrary, that in the loss of stuff, God obviously must be absent. When the reality is God is just who He is. He doesn't change. He fills all time and space. Nothing is hid from His presence. God just is. This means that God is not more with us because we've got great technology and a beautiful building. And God is not less with them because there's rockets flying overhead. God just is. God has this thing about storms. Ask Noah. Ask Moses. Ask Elijah. Ask the disciples. Who in Mark chapter 4 when the storm is raging. They wake up the Lord. And say master. Do you even care that we perish? You see. Because a storm makes you question you know the first question in your Bible comes from Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent crawled up and whispered into the ear of that woman and said, Hath God said? Questions cause us to look at God with this perplexed wonder and think, Are you really in control?
And the response to that question in Genesis 3 was an act of sin. And when God comes to them, I'll touch on this again tonight, but when God comes to them, they're hiding. You know why? Because fear always lies. Hey, I think I said it here in December, I've said it all over, but if God wanted COVID gone, COVID been gone. But you need to be able to distinguish between what's happening around you and what's happening in you. Fear lied to them about who God was. And so when God comes, they're hiding themselves. And in Mark 4, in the midst of a storm, chaos is ensuing. Fear starts speaking to them. And they wake up Jesus and say, Master, don't you even care that we're perishing? Jesus, are you really in control right now? Or are we going to die at the mercy of the storm? And Jesus first speaks to the storm and then turns and speaks to his disciples. If the issue was a singular issue, he would have spoke one time and dealt with both. But first, he speaks to the storm, and then he turns and says, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Because what's happening around you and what's happening in you are two different things. I can't control the chaos in the world. But I can control the faith of my own heart. Why are you fearful? Because you judge your future based on the chaos and not my character. God spoke through that prophet of old and said, I am the Lord and I change not. Hebrews 13 and 8 said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've come to tell somebody in this house today, God is absolutely in control. He's in control of everything happening in the world. He's in control of everything happening in this nation. He's in control of everything happening in your life. You've got to stop questioning and start trusting. Because when you start questioning, you find dangerous company. Because the first question in human history was the serpent himself. You say, can I never ask God a question? No, that's not what I'm saying. But you ought to be very careful in the spirit and the attitude in which you ask it. Because when you start questioning God's sovereignty, God, how you're really in control, you don't realize it. But that serpent slithers into your life. And all of a sudden, you begin to be influenced by that spirit. And as you pull the thread of God's sovereignty from the truth of his character, all those other threads start getting looser and looser. And you're not praying like you used to pray. And you're not coming to church like you used to come to church. And you're not as passionate as you used to be. And you're not giving quite as diligently or faithfully or sacrificially as you used to give. You know why? Because you pulled the thread. You believe the lie. You ask the question, God, are you really in control? I tell you, he is. But remember, you're not the only one asking questions. When God comes to the garden in Genesis 3, he has a question. Where are 
are you, Adam? And so I've come today to tell you that in the midst of your questioning, if you would just still your voice long enough, you'd hear God speaking too. Speaking out of the storm. Speaking out of the turmoil. Speaking out of the whirlwind. And you know what he's speaking? Questions. Where are you on this Sunday morning? Where were you last week? Where are you right now? Because before you can move where God wants you to be, you've got to first identify where you are. You see, God is also asking questions. Most of our questions towards God are the manipulation of modern media upon our minds. And so here's what we do. We start reacting. When the book of Acts was a book of actions, not reactions. Their direction, their message, their purpose, it was set regardless of circumstance. But we start asking questions, but in the midst of the whirlwind, God comes out and says, Job, I've got some things to ask you too, because this is what I need you to understand. I have it all in control. Our music can come back. We'll put the landing gear down. I've heard a lot of questions in the last couple of years. And if we're not careful, the constant questioning will weaken our faith to a point that we are not moving with God when God says move. Preacher, what am I supposed to do in a world that's so chaotic and ever-changing and there's problems and pressures on every side? What am I supposed to do? You focus on the unchanging reality. You fix your eyes on the one who is the ever-present help and the one who never changes. And all of a sudden, the influence of chaos and circumstance begins to fade away when you realize your future is fixed by the hand of God. Questions in the chaos. I don't seek to minimize any life that's been lost or any pain that has been damaged by COVID, but my personal feeling as God allowed it because he was trying to say some things and show some things. But the other side of the coin is as the reality of these things have dragged on weeks into months and months into years. And even now as we hopefully stare the end of this thing out the window, the truth is, is in some measure its effects will still linger for quite some time. There's a danger that happens right about this kind of atmosphere. God was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and Numbers 21 and 4 says that the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The way had been long. The way had been hard. The longer the way, the more room for questions. 
funny thing about God is, is he's in no hurry to answer. For 37 chapters, everybody's got a question. And when there's no answer, accusations start flying. Job, what's wrong with you? Obviously, you've done something wrong. Because see, question gives room for accusation. And accusation is the character of Satan. And so what's happening in our world right now? A pandemic that brought fear has shifted from fear to anger. Like I've been around, I'm going to tell you, 99% of people aren't afraid of COVID anymore. They're fed up with it. They're, they're of the attitude that I'll, I'll just calculate my personal risk and live my life. And if you want to keep safety guards and you want to wear masks, no one in this house is going to shame you or bother you for that. But the predominant attitude around this pandemic two years ago was fear. It's not fear anymore. It's anger and division. Because when the way is long, it gives room for questions. And when questions go unanswered, in case you haven't noticed, the government didn't have an answer for this. They kept moving the goalposts, changing the story. And I'm not here to shame them. The reality is, is you didn't have the answer either. None of us did. My point is simply this. Is that questions without answer gives room for accusation. I would venture a guess sometime in the past two years, all of us, including me, have been guilty of it. Saying things about leaders that we probably shouldn't have said. The problem with that is you step into the arena of unwelcome company. And that old serpent slithers up next to you. And all of a sudden you don't just have a disagreement with the leader of, the, of a country or a city or a province. But you're disagreeing with your brother or sister on the other side of the church. Or you're not liking the way pastor's doing this or pastor's doing that. You know why? Because the predominant spirit shifted from fear to anger. And anger gave birth to division. You know why? Because the way was long. And there were all kinds of questions. Why God? Are you really in control? Are you really working? Where are you? The world is in chaos. My life is in chaos. God, where are you? And right about that time, God moves upon the heart of Pharaoh. You think, what? Isn't God supposed to move on my heart? Yeah, He is. But the problem is, is when you question, you quench the Spirit. And when God was unable to move His people by moving on them, He started moving on Pharaoh. And Pharaoh gets this little idea that he thought was his own, but was actually seated by the hand of God. And Pharaoh says, I'm gonna, I regret sending them out of here. I'm going to send my army to get them. And now Israel finds itself in this great predicament. On the one hand, they're staring into a sea. There's nowhere to go. They're locked. The waters are there. and We know they part because we're on this side of history. But in the moment when the way is long and questions overwhelm you, on the one hand, they're staring into a sea. And on on the other hand, they see an Egyptian army coming. You know why? 
Because when they saw the sea, when they judged the impossibility based upon the miscalculation of God's sovereignty in His work in their lives, you know what they did? They started murmuring against God and murmuring against Moses. And they had decided, you know what? We're better off to just go back to where we used to be. And the only way God could get them moving in the right direction was to move upon the heart of Pharaoh that he would send his armies after them. And when they see that Egyptian army coming, they turn around and they start moving back towards the water. You know what's happening in the world right now? God is trying to put such a distaste in our hearts and in our spirits for the things of this present world. God's trying to show us the emptiness of all that this world has to offer. Watch how quickly the economy can change. Watch how quickly the career that you studied for, that you worked for, watch how quickly it can fall apart. The house, oh, it was your dream home. It's everything you ever lived for. But watch how quickly it can fall through your fingers you know why because it's shaking the earth is shaking oh of creation is groaning it's shaking it's shaking nations are shaking you know why because God knows without some of this we'll turn around and start moving the wrong direction we won't pray like we've got to pray without a little displeasure we won't fast like we have to fast we won't reach the lost like we have to reach the lost and God said you know what my people aren't moving in the direction they need to be moving at the speed in which they need to be moving so I'm going to start shaking some things and Moses he does what any good leader would do God why God help us and the Lord says in Exodus 14 and 15 the Lord said unto Moses wherefore criest thou unto me why are you crying to me Speak to the children of, of Israel that they go forward. You see, in the chaos, God also has some questions. Moses, why are you crying to me? Why are you doubting? Why are you questioning? Get up. Speak to the people that they go forward. But God, that water's unpredictable. There's uncertainty there. God said, you just lift up your staff. Lift up that rod. Stretch out your hands and the water will power. I've come today to tell you, you ought to guard your spirit. You ought to guard your mind. You ought to guard your home. Because there's a spirit working in the world right now that's deceiving a lot of people by virtue of unnecessary questions. And you know what God would say to you? He would say, hey, I've got some questions for you too why are you crying don't you know the heart of kings is in my hand I set up I take down God is in control so what does that mean what do I have to do you hear your Moses. When Pastor Jack gets up here to preach the word of the Lord and Pastor says we need to reach new people, we need to teach a Bible study, we need to be in the house of God, we need to be in prayer meeting. When Pastor gets up and says let's go forward, you say all right, let's go forward. 
But preacher, that, that water's unpredictable. I don't know what'll happen. I don't know how God'll work. Well, here's the thing, my friend. Most of the time, the water doesn't part until you get your feet a little bit wet. I'm preaching to CCC today, and I'll come back to this tonight. But I'm preaching to you today. It's time to move forward. It's time to let the past be the past. It's time to bury our questions in the presence of God. Stand and declare unequivocally, I trust you, God. And I'm going forward in Jesus' name. Would you stand together with me? Would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your voice and just begin to call out to God right now? Come on, the Holy Ghost is saying it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. But preacher, the circumstances aren't right. There's chaos all around. You think God doesn't know that? Lord, it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He didn't say it was going to be good all the time. He just said it's going to work together for the good. Let me have your attention. God said, Job, gird up your loins. Take that robe and pull it through your legs and tie it in the back. There was two reasons a Jewish man would gird up his loins. One was to work and one was to war. What he was telling Job is you can't move the way you need to move if your loins aren't gird up. So get ready. Job, get ready. Restore your mobility. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'll tell you what God's been doing. God's trying to restore the mobility of the apostolic church. And I'm preaching to CCC today. The Holy Ghost is saying to you, you need to gird up your loins. You need to get ready to be mobile. You're going to have to take the Holy Ghost into some homes in the city. You're going to have to take your little Bible study chart into the coffee shop, into the restaurant. Gird up your loins, Job. Get ready. Because I need you to work and I need you to war. I need you to get in the sanctuary on Friday night for prayer meeting. And I need a little war on the floor. So principalities and powers and strongholds in the city and in the province and in the nation can be broken by the power of his name. Gird up your loins. It's time for war. Gird up your loins. It's time for work. We're going forward. Hey, 
Come on. Why are you crying? Get up and go forward. Get up and go forward. What is happening around you doesn't have to control what's happening in you. God is in control. Come on, I'm done. My, my preaching is done, but I wish you'd lift up your hands and we need to make this whole sanctuary a place of prayer right now. We need to lift up our voice. Come on, spiritually speaking, every man, every woman, every family, gird up your loins. It's time to war. It's time to work. God is restoring mobility. Come on, I know you felt frozen in the pandemic. You felt trapped in the pandemic. You felt frustrated in the pandemic. You had all kinds of questions. But I've come to tell you today, you're at the threshold of a new season. And it's not only a season hinging on the past two years. It's a season that God ordained decades ago. I'm telling you, there's harvest, but you've got to gird up your loins. You know what's happening right now in Ukraine? You know what's happened? Convoys of Russian things coming in. 16, 25, 40 miles long. And they're getting trapped and bombed and can't get out. You know why? No mobility. You know why there's a lot of churches that don't grow? There's no mobility. We just come and do our thing. And do our thing. There's no war and there's no work because there's no mobility. You hear me. The good thing about COVID back two years ago is it forced us to kind of consider the element of God outside of the church. But then we got way out of balance. And now here we are two years later still trying to convince people to come back to church. If the doors are open, God help you. You need to be here. But... If you think this is the only place God wants to work, God help you. He's trying to give his people mobility. Because when the early church was scattered by persecution, everywhere they went, they preached the word of God and signs followed them. If you've got children in your family that are not serving God, I would that you would just lift up your hands and lift up your voice right now. We need to go to war. Come on, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of backsliders in this city of Lone. Come on, gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. This church is going forward. And we're going forward in war. And we're going forward in work. 
We're going to fight for it. Come on. Fight for your backslidden child. Fight for your spouse. Fight for your grandkids. Fight. Fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pull down that deception. Pull down that lie. Pull down that hurt. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice. The Holy Ghost is working. Just close your eyes and get in the flow of His Spirit. Come on, that's it. Generations of deception. I bind it right now in Jesus' name. Strongholds of false doctrine born out of hurt. I bind it right now in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. I speak to the spirit that keeps every alcoholic bound and every drug addict bound. I bind that spirit right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every secular idea, every humanistic idea, every vain philosophy contrary to the word of God and the truth of God, I bind it in this city in the name of Jesus Christ. This church is going forward. Come on, this is war. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Spiritual darkness. Come on, we're not fighting politicians. We're not fighting mayors and premiers and prime ministers. Our fight is in the spirit. Freedom doesn't come with a Facebook post. Paul had an opinion and he used it a time or two and you can use yours, but that's not we're going to win the weapon. We won't win the war there. Come on, we cast off our doubt. We cast off our negativity. We cast off our fear. We cast off our concern. We are going forward. Come on, 
I want you to hear me just for a second. You're not the only one in the past two years that's asked some questions. All those people that you're interacting with at work, they've got questions too. All those people walking the hallways of schools in this city, they've got questions too. And when the Lord orders your steps and creates that divine intersection, when your life meets theirs, the last thing they need is for you to entertain a conversation about questions. Doesn't the Bible say, in season and out, be ready to give an answer? I'm asking you right now what God asked Adam. Where are you? Because my friend, the era of playing church has passed. And God wasn't asking Adam because he didn't know. Anytime the Lord asks a question, it's an invitation to experience. And so I'm asking everybody under the sound of my voice right now, where are you? I don't have time to get into this, but where was he hiding in, in the bushes, in the trees? What animal finds its rest in the trees? The fowls of the air. Go study the fowls in Scripture. It's demonic spirits. That's why in the parable of the sower, when Jesus said he threw the seed, he said the fowls came and snatched away the seed. But in the interpretation of the parable, some 40 verses later, he said the wicked one takes the seed. The judgment of Babylon in Revelation 18, he says every evil and hated bird will be there. The fowls were symbolic to us of spiritual powers, demonic influence. Here's what you don't realize. When you believe what fear says to you and you go back into the trees to hide yourself from God, you are hiding yourself in the very environment where those spirits live. And so when God says, Adam, where are you? He's forcing him to confront the reality of where he is so he can get to where God wants him to be. It's an invitation. Adam, you're not where you usually are. Hey, you're not where you were two years ago. You did all right the first year of the pandemic, but two years in, it's wearing on you. You're discouraged because the way is long, it's hard. Where are you, CCC? Where are you, mom, dad? Where are you, young adult? Because here's what God's saying. You need to come out of hiding. Maybe you're watching online. It's time to come back. Come out of hiding. 
longer you stay in the bushes, the more you'll question. And the more you question, the more the tapestry of truth becomes unraveled. Where are you? And if you'll step out, there's an invitation to experience the power of God in a way that can change your life. If you're here and this is new and you've never repented of your sin or been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, you need to see one of the pastors, the leaders in this church because God's calling you personally to a new experience, a new relationship with Him. If you've never received a baptism of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in other tongues, just like they did in the Bible, you hear me today, God is calling you to experience His presence just like that. If you're here, you need a miracle in your body or a miracle in your mind. You need help in your family, your finances, whatever it might be. All you've got to do is recognize where you are. Come out of hiding because God is waiting to walk with you. Would you lift up your hands to the Lord right now all across this sanctuary? Lord Jesus, right now, I pray over this great church family. I pray over every individual household that's represented. I pray over everybody in this room. I pray over every youth and child that's somewhere in this building. I pray that you would pour out your spirit. I pray there would be a fresh touch of God. I pray, Lord, for a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I pray you would touch every mind, every heart, and every body. I pray you would restore passion, restore love, restore consecration. Because this church is going forward. You know why pastor's calling for prayer chains and prayer and fasting? It's because he's heard from God. And God said, why are you crying? I'm in control. I've got this in my hand. I need you to just go forward. I know the Red Sea looks unpredictable. I know there's elements of uncertainty. But the uncertainty is only in your mind, not in God's plan. So CCC, I say to you today, Let's go forward. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them, we're going forward. We're going forward into church growth. We're going forward into revival. We're going to see salvation. We're going to see healing. We're going to see deliverance. We are going forward. Come on, shout unto God. Shout unto God. Hallelujah.